0: Sony 16 presents...
1: Welcome to the Lighting Lounge show or episode number one. (laughs) Some of you may have been lucky enough to see show zero on our YouTube channel. (sighs) It's a corker. It really was. You should go back. Now is a good time to... to to get to grips with the back catalog whilst there is
0: <laughs> before we delete it
1: <laughs> anyway 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 my name is Aid and with me is John hey john how you doing
0: hey aid i'm all good thank you very much very excited about actually starting officially
1: this is our official first show is it that first one was just a trial run to get yes. get us out there get us moving get us rolling yeah Yeah, I'm looking forward to this as well. This is, this is a, you know, the lighting lounge, right? This is a subject close to my heart. As any, any listeners to Sunny 16 uh, may have noticed over the years, uh, lighting is definitely something that I'm uh, really into. And whilst I don't subscribe to the whole camera collection thing, I do believe quite firmly that you can never have enough lighting. (laughs) So... So, so we're going to start you, a you have to have, have one
0: outlet don't you people have to have one outlet where they can just throw money at things uh
1: yeah yeah or or innovate and try and do it on the cheap as well that's another good way we'll definitely be talking about that this is you know light, lighting you know is is not something you have to spend a lot of money on um yeah you know, when i in and even when i do i tend to favor you know uh cheap stuff rather than expensive stuff so we'll definitely be talking about how to do things affordably and um, and definitely talk about you know toys you know where those toys are lights rather than cameras uh, and uh all sorts of stuff anyway what are you looking forward to in all of this new adventure uh,
0: i'm i enjoy kind of exploring things on the cheap as well i the age-old problem of when you buy things cheap you end up buying them two or three times Aye, has, there has, is that. Has, has caught me out quite a few times um but having said that the, the way technology is these days and the advances it's related to lighting like in with led lighting and flash and everything um does mean you can get some really good gear for a low price point um and also like manipulating light and experimenting with different sorts of light can be done with just simple cheap tools so it doesn't it doesn't have to come down to an expensive source um, piece of equipment which is quite an interesting element
1: yeah we'll definitely have to do things like setting assignments where you have to use a shower curtain as part of your lighting setup or a, or, or a dark blanket as another part of your lighting setup and stuff like that just things you have lying around the house you know so uh, but uh you know yeah, and all, all of that anyway, we thought we would start off with, with a, a rattle through uh, a whole bunch of terminology because there's lots and lots of jargon in lighting uh, and in, in photography in general, but uh, especially in lighting, lots and lots of jargon and plenty of words to get to grips with. And some of that can make it a little bit impenetrable, I guess, if you're just starting out. So we're going to rattle through some stuff today uh, and you know, just talk about what we, we understand it and and where we don't understand it as well, because who knows? <laughs> Who knows what we're gonna we're gonna come up with, and uh, yeah, for those of you watching us on YouTube rather than just listening to the audio, um, well, my desk in front of me right here is is now cluttered with stuff, and I think John has the same situation. Uh, so we'll be we'll be showing some of the stuff that we're talking about as well, trying to show some of the differences, and uh, maybe when we talk about some some different lighting situations, uh, there'll be some photographs that we'll show as well. So for anybody that is listening to this audio only uh we will make uh well certainly there'll be a link to the youtube video so you can catch up later and you can see things on the screen there and uh where where possible uh we will make uh links in the show notes to to these things so that you can uh, follow follow along uh, but please don't try to watch youtube while you're driving or operating <laughs> other heavy machinery
0: <laughs> no one's driving at the moment it's fine everyone's sat at home watching youtube
1: that's oh, tra- no, or, or no, making no. youtube no,
0: <laughs> making the cheese <laughs> or both
1: <laughs> yes yes so it's um it's, it's a good thing right okay so we we have compiled i will say we john has compiled a really really long list of stuff so john where would you like us to start we've got it in subcategories well, in everything it,
0: <laughs> there's so many different things associated with lighting and a lot of it like i kind of started to research myself and let, Sent me down a bit of a rabbit hole but I split it into three or four main categories and that were light sources modifiers so that's things that you can do to the light source um, accessories and tools so that's all kind of little bolt-on bits that are kind of either useful to have or essential in some cases. And then the other one's just a oh, general
1: kind I of... Love, I love a good bit of hardware around lighting.
0: Oh, so <laughs> many shows are
1: going to be dedicated to little niggly bits of metal that bend in funny ways, I'm sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what have we unleashed? <laughs> the, the, uh, the final category was just visual terminology. Um, just trying to explain some of the, the terms will, will, that will crop up a lot, I think as we're going through different setups and different ideas so let's mm-hmm. start uh, let's start with light sources because that's that's the key to everything that we're going to be doing at the moment um and like the one of the most common ones is a flash
1: indeed yes i have a couple of them on the table here in front of me i think, I think you do too don't you yeah <laughs> here's one this so is one that it, I well, I have one here. So this is a flash, um, otherwise known in in different parts of the world as a speed light. Some people refer to them as strobes. Although personally, I know strobes to be sort of bigger studio equipment. This is definitely a camera sits in your hot shoe kind of a a, a speed light flash. Uh, and uh, that is you know for that's how I got started actually uh, into lighting uh, you know deliberately you know creating light for my photography. Um, i uh, I had a camera and I'd kind of caught the bug and uh, I really wanted to do something and I had and uh, my wife bought me a, a speed light for, uh i think for my birthday actually (laughs) this is a few years ago now i can't quite remember um but it was certainly a present and uh, i went out and i shot uh, i stuck it on uh, top of the camera and i went out and shot everything with it and everything came out almost pure white and i thought (laughs) i've got something to learn here haven't i (laughs) So, yeah, uh, a lot to learn after my first experiences with uh, what you might call a speed light somebody, uh, or a flash. Um, or a flash gun actually would be what my, my dad or my granddad would have <laughs> called it, which is at least in the UK. I don't know if that's a, a phrase that, that uh, crosses any cultural boundaries at all. But uh, there you go. There's, there's our first one off the list then, John. Uh, our, our light source being a flash or speed light. <laughs>
0: excellent right what what have i got next regards flashes so when i was doing a bit of research the difference between a flash and a strobe even though they're fairly interchangeable the word strobe was like you're saying generally used more in a studio setting and it has a power supply as opposed to being battery powered which most flashes are um you can also get flashes built onto your camera as well that's that's fairly common for compact cameras um and they're they're fixed whereas an off-camera flash you can move around and also they can be remotely triggered via a cable or a wireless set as well so i guess next related to that some of the key settings that you get on on a flash when you when you turn them on they always have a nice little display on the back showing various things that make zero sense if you don't understand them. <laughs> yes. um, certainly
1: at first they make zero sense yes,
0: yeah. definitely. <laughs> so one of the fundamental settings of flash is either ttl or manual um setting and this will depend on your camera setup and, and what flashes you have available but uh would you like to talk us through ttl lighting aid things you're a pro <laughs>
1: Seeing as I'm a pro I am so well if, if I am a pro it's not at this but there you go Um So uh, TTL uh, well uh, simply put that means automatic in the sense that your your camera and uh, Lighting system is going to automatically make an assessment of How much light you need to add to correctly expose your subject? so uh, TTL by the way standing for through the lens so it's based upon the light coming through the lens so let, let's let's break that down a little bit because yeah we're, we're in a situation here where let's say I don't know, let's say you're at a party and you want to take photographs of people and you would like those people to be nicely exposed uh, but uh, it's too dark for that uh, and therefore you're going to use a, a light um, now I think many of us would be Uh, comfortable with talking about the exposure triangle uh, whereby you set a a combination of the sensitivity of your sensor otherwise known as iso with an aperture and your lens uh, to let more or less light in and a shutter speed that again uh, lets more or less light into your image Um, how then do you get a a light uh, to, to play with that equation Uh, and quite simply uh, modern systems will uh, read uh, through the sensor through the lens uh, and onto the sensor the amount of light hitting it Um, often uh, you'll see a couple of phantom preparation flashes uh, that that will be done by the camera Uh, and that is it trying to work out what the right exposure is. So as it flashes the light uh, it can then read into the sensor just how much light that is and it can make an assessment of whether your picture is well exposed or not. Uh, And so that's a a long way of saying there's some clever computer trickery um, that assesses how bright it should flash the light uh, and Uh, and, and adjusts the exposure accordingly, which is really really useful when you're running around and you don't have time to set up it can be a, it can be a real benefit uh although it can also be a little bit of uh, a burden if you are in a static situation maybe you're doing a still life or a portrait in a studio where you're in control of the lighting situation you're not moving around so much uh, often there certainly i would prefer to use manual in fact I, very rarely do i use any kind of ttl exposure mm. for, for lighting at all i don't know about you john
0: no, I, I mainly use manual and specific, like mainly for film photography as well, because most old cameras do not have TTL built into them. Um, so it is a case of setting everything up manually anyway and, and metering for that that scenario oh yeah
1: well there's at least there's at least one episode of the lighting lounge that will be dedicating to metering for flashlights on film isn't yeah. there? <laughs> there's <laughs> a, a whole bunch of fun to be had with that <laughs>
0: <laughs> well I, I think it's really important personally like to understand what's going on and controlling all that and you get a lot of that with film photography anyway don't you and trying to actually understand exposure and everything as opposed to your camera handling everything automatically
1: yeah, it's one of the things that I really enjoy, actually, is the technical element of the craft, as well as the, the artistic element of it, mm-hmm. and, and combining those two. So maybe there's a little bit of insight there into why I like the lighting aspect of photography so much, I don't know. but
0: <laughs> <laughs> So kind of, kind of related to that, and I think also kind of connected, um, sync speed comes up quite a lot when using flash photography, and most people will be aware the problems that lead to which is where you get black bands across your images Um, and I'm stumped on how to describe this. (laughs) <laughs> something I had to
1: describe it. Well, okay. Well, I'll take a punt, and you can correct me as I go. Uh, so, uh, what happens with a camera shutter is it is open for a certain amount of time. Let's call that certain amount of time a sixtieth of a second, or or a five hundredth of a second, or on modern cameras, right the way to the tiny time of a th- an eight thousandth of a second, or something like that. Now, uh, most cameras will have a, a limit on the shutter speed. As to how fast the shutter can be and still bring in all of the light from the flash that you're using. Uh, I shoot with a Fuji, I, off the top of my head I think the fastest shutter speed I can use is 180th. So I could, you know, I can shoot at 180th or a 125th or a 60th and everything's fine. There's plenty of time that the shutter is open for, for all the light from my flash to be part of the exposure. Um, if I go any quicker than that, then I might see what John's just been describing, which is the, the the black banding. And what that means is is that your shutter has started to close before your flashlight has finished, and therefore some of your uh, some of your image, some of your composition has not been exposed uh, using the flash, but only with the ambient light, and so it comes out a lot darker. Uh, so sync speed, uh, in my mind at least, is is uh, often the maximum sync speed uh, at which your particular camera will be able to work with a strobe or a speed light or a flash.
0: Perfect explanation. <laughs> I actually understood <laughs> it from that. Excellent. And like, kind of connected <laughs> to that is also terminology regards front and rear curtain. And that's when your camera is triggering the flash. A front curtain is when it's happening at the start of the exposure and rear curtain is happening is when the flash is being triggered at the end of the the shutter speed. There are, I think modern cameras also have, or some cameras have the option of a delay where you can actually set the the offset during the exposure when the flash is triggered as well, but I've I've never personally seen that.
1: No, I've not used that. Um, The front rear curtain thing is really interesting because almost all cameras, I think every camera I've ever had, um, has a default that it will fire the flash as soon as you open the shutter mm-hmm. uh, that's what they refer to as as front curtain uh, a bit where the uh, yeah the front curtain is the, is the the part of the shutter that opens to expose the, the sensor or the film and um, I've never understood that I I always have mindset to rear curtain and the best way I know how to describe this is to think about uh, light trails like uh, in a vehicle so uh, you'd like to maybe capture, you know, at, at night, uh, vehicle trails, but also have a shot of the vehicle itself. Um if you uh, if you set that up with a, a front sync, what will happen is that you will open your shutter, you'll fly, fire the flash, and that will capture a nice sharp image. That flash will capture a nice sharp image of the vehicle. Let's say it's a, a bus, you know, driving past. Um, Then the bus, whilst the shutter is still open, the bus will move forward um, and then the lights on the bus will make a trail across your image. But the actual bus, when you see the image, will be at the back of the light trails.
0: Yeah. (laughs)
1: um which uh, and so if you have the rear curtain uh sink uh, what that means is that your flash will fire at the last possible moment before the shutter starts to close in which case your bus will be frozen at the front end of those light trails and the light trails will seem to stream out behind it um i've never found a good reason for using a front curtain flash i just never have i don't know. i can't think I always of have one off the top
0: of centric. my head <laughs> <Not> either <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, when they take the you. classic like
0: light trail images, mm. which is quite often a use for that. Yeah, it's always you always want the thing at the end of the light trail, don't you, to show kind of a passage of time. Um, so yeah, there we go. Right, moving uh, on. Reason, I'm, so I'm, but... I'm going to keep the pace going on this because there's a lot of ground to cover. <laughs> <laughs> we are we are
1: definitely definitely and definitely and deliberately just having a run through this, and these will all yeah these will all be things that we come back to later on. Yeah.
0: So the next type of light source is a continuous light source, and um, so that's anything like the sun. Can be considered a continuous light source. Um
1: it's a get, reasonably good example. I'll grant you that.
0: It's, it's the greatest, cheapest example there is, isn't there? It's generally available to most people, depending on where you live. Um,
1: Except at night, of course. Uh, at night,
0: <laughs> but it's still like kind of available, isn't it? You get moonlight, which is from the sun, so that's true. It's still, there's still light there. Um, but where you've got ones that you're controlling or hopefully got control over, you have tungsten lighting, fluorescent lighting, um, LED lighting nowadays as well. And I think you've got a small LED light that you have available to show, don't you, Aid? Is that right?
1: I, I do, yes. Uh, where is it? It is here amongst my collection of toys to show in this episode. So here is a an LED light. It has the form factor of a large phone. In fact, I'm going to hold it up next to my phone it is almost identical it's just a little bit smaller than my phone although admittedly my phone is uh an Massive. iphone max <laughs> so 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 my phone is a little bit bigger than the average bear but um so th- this is i i'm just going to switch it on so uh but i'll point it away from my camera so people people do, doesn't blind people uh there we go so um this is a uh an led light uh it runs off a a, off a battery um it has the form factor of a mobile phone Uh, so it fits nicely in your trouser pocket or your jacket pocket uh this particular one uh it does flavors of white uh so uh the flavor of white it's set to at the moment if i shine it on myself you'll see it makes me look quite warm my skin looks quite warm because it is uh, set to a, a a a warm daylight uh, level and then if I uh, what do I have to do now I have to know I have to do this and I then have to change some settings on the back of it which it should take just a moment and then I will shine it on myself again this is right up to a 5600 K now which is going to look very blue by comparison or much brighter white like a daylight Um, uh, against uh, my skin there. So this is, you know, something, um, I I forget which photographer it was that says, you know, uh, I only shoot with available light, but I make sure I have light available at all times. Um, This is a way that I i'm able to do that i can carry this in my pocket and i can add a little bit of light to anything i need to add a little bit of light to this particular light is also really good because it can charge my phone as well because it's a pd one <laughs> so if you, you know, the battery in it can be used to charge my phone if i end up or, or anything else i end up needing to charge so. which obviously needs charging lot so,
0: uh, locks it's so big and just drains power so quickly
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so so that's an example of an led light i mean for those of us watching video i'm lit by led lights at the moment um uh, i'm lit by light uh, white lights at the moment or there's a splash of red in the background of my shot um and uh yeah they can come in all colors these days you often hear people referring to led rgb lights uh, where you mm-hmm. can yeah you, know, you can set um you know, all the colors of the rainbow and colour will cover
0: color temperature and color modifications yeah. later on as well in more detail and I think there's probably a whole episode there as well isn't there regards color temperature
1: to absolutely into into yes and, and Mr Kelvin I forget what his name his first name was he lived in Glasgow as I understand it there's a park in Glasgow that's called something like Kelvin Park um, I was there not so long ago well actually probably quite a long time ago because of course I haven't been anywhere for ages <laughs> But <laughs> so but we uh, to but... talk about him other types of light <laughs>
0: include uh, practical lights and generally practicals that this terminology I've was got from movie making um, mm-hmm. and it's lights that exist already in a scene so it's things like lamps and street lights for example.
1: Uh, yeah, and here's a great example you're showing now where, yeah, there's a, it's a portrait shot uh, of uh, a man sat in a chair and beside him on the table is a reading lamp. Um, great example of a practical, um, it is in the shot, um, it is part of the scene and of course it is also fulfilling a job as a, a role in the lighting of the shot overall. So, uh, yeah, often used um, and uh, in the world of cinematography, um, slightly less so... Uh, in the world of still photography. Uh, although you often find it, yeah, things in the background and stuff like that. Um, one of the reasons it's a bit difficult in still photography if you or lighting stuff is that you have to then color match everything, which is a real pain. Uh, when you're making a movie and you've got a whole crew of people, it's a bit easier to do that. But when you're on <laughs> your own, a hobbyist and you have to match the colors, uh, be it uh, a, a tungsten, which would be a very warm color. Um, it's difficult to buy tungsten light bulbs anymore, but there's still quite a lot of them around. Uh, or a fluorescent, which often are a horrible green, or a, a cheap LED light, which will often be a sort of football stadium, sodium orange colour, um, and very flickery at the same time. Uh, all sorts of things can go wrong with practicals. Um, but uh, or, they can.
0: Or you can shoot in black and white and it not be a problem the, at all.
1: <laughs> there you go. No need to colour match at all if you shoot in black and white. <laughs> That's a nice example you've got a nice there. It's so like an old-fashioned street light yeah um, so like in, uh... in
0: the world of cinematography quite often what's done is the lights are changed like so if i was listening to a pod, uh, roger deakins podcast the other day and they were talking about lighting a scene in fargo and they talked about replacing the bulbs in a, a cafe to help match and to be brighter
1: um, you know, in, in, in the good old bad old days of, of, of film um, where you, know, you go shoot somewhere that's lit with fluorescent lights, you'd have to have, you know, gels on your lights to match the fluorescence and stuff like that. And we'll talk all about that as well. Um, yeah, but uh, it's uh, ma- matching it is it is hard sometimes. And for people who, who are less experienced in noticing the differences, um, Sometimes you don't notice it because your brain looks at it and says, "Well, I know that. I know that that color is white, so I'm just going to record that in your brain as white and you're going to see it as white." And what you don't realize is, is it's a horrible green color actually. And and but your camera can definitely see that it's a horrible green color. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so matching matching lights is is quite a trick um, unless of course uh, you shoot black and white and then you don't have to worry. <laughs> it,
0: it makes out. things a lot easier.
1: <laughs> it does indeed. It yeah. does indeed.
0: So once you've got your lights whether it's continuous or flash generally one of the things that you want to do is then manipulate the light using modifiers rather than using mm-hmm. the source lights and um, so in the example that we've just shown actually the the lamp next to it that that light's actually being modified by the lamp shade in some respects um but quite often you actually want control over that and there are various tools available to do that one of those tools is um by diffusing the light and making it a lot softer is a softbox which attaches to the the front of the light or can be something that sits in in, in front of the source of the light between that and the subject have you, have you got a softbox available there Aid?
1: i do i have a little one actually that's designed to go on on a a camera speed light um it's interesting tell me this because i've always struggled uh, is it called a softbox because it makes the light softer or because typically they're made of soft fabric and they can fold up any uh, ideas?
0: I, I assume it makes the light softer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've never known the answer to that question. So exposing my amateurishness. Right, okay. So what I have here, here in my hands, uh, uh, is a, uh, a fold flat. It's actually quite a nice a fold, fold flat. Um, and uh, it is it is a softbox uh, it is designed it has some flaps on the back of it which then velcro to your speed light I'll show that in a minute but what I'd like to do first is just to talk about the difference in size of the, of the source of the light so this is a this is a very small softbox designed as I say to to be uh, attached to the front of a, a speed light of the kind that we were talking about earlier Um I think it's about 10 or 11 inches diagonally across it or something like that uh, but if you look at the size of that compared to the size of the speed light will put them side by side um, you're going to get a much softer light off the softbox, even though it's a small one uh, Because the surface area of the light is going to be that much bigger And especially, even something this small, if you get it nice up close uh, Just at a camera when you're taking a portrait of somebody You can actually get quite a soft light from something uh, that's as small as this Now it's going to be noisy to attach it because this is all Velcro, right? So it actually won't be noisy to attach it, it'll be noisy to detach it in a bit But how it sits is simply there we go like that so if I hold that on as a sideways as a profile you can see now that my my speed light has a, a, a big box on the top of it that makes the light source a lot bigger. Um, and that, in a nutshell, is, is what softboxes are for. Um, they can work, You get them all sorts of different sizes, uh, yeah, right the way up to you know, 8, 10 feet across. Um, uh, although, of course, at that point, you need quite a large studio with very high ceilings to use them. Um, but uh, there you go. Yeah, That's just one example uh, of a softbox. A, sm- a nice small example so that it fits on camera. Oh, you've got one too.
0: I have a very small one as well. Velcros to the front of the speedlight like that. Really useful little tool to have available basically so the light isn't it's more flattering particularly when taking portraits and photos. absolutely
1: yes very much so very much so yeah um what else
0: have we got? oh well, when
1: you get into the world of modifiers blimey um you know uh one of the simplest and best ways to start actually is just simply with an umbrella um umbrellas tend to be really cheap um, to buy ph- photography umbrellas and you can either shoot through it which will give you a lovely soft light a, a white umbrella or you can bounce light around inside it and back out towards your your subject which gives you uh, still quite soft light but a bit more control over where it goes um, uh, you know when you shoot through an umbrella you really are spraying light <laughs> in almost every direction which means they're great for shooting group shots so if you've got a group of five or six people and you've only got one light you really want to be shooting through an umbrella because it will spread and soften that light really nicely but if you're trying to do really controlled stuff if you think about like 1930s film noir or stuff where they've got like letterbox eyes and stuff like that then then you're not going to do that with a shoot through umbrella you need a lot more to control (laughs) it and that Um, leads
0: quite nicely onto other modifiers so like if you wanted to do very kind of fixed controlled lighting you could use uh modifiers such as a grid that helps direct i have a lights. grid here
1: i have a grid here right, again it's a speed light one actually we're all into speed lights today aren't we and um, this grid here is so it, this one particularly just sort of you know clips onto the front of the speed light and it's possibly difficult to see if i could look through it and you can see my face through it but you can see that uh there is a a, a plastic grid in there that um a bit like a sieve really except that it makes all the light go in a straight line it stops it from bouncing around so it means that your light source will be much more focused and narrower and you won't be lighting things that you don't want to light uh, so that's one way of doing that as our barn doors are another way of doing that Yeah,
0: and flags which is, again is, is more of a cinematography thing that they sit on the side of a light and normally have them top and bottom and you can fold them over the light to help control the direction of it um, I've also used uh, something called cine foil in the past which is like a very strong foil that's black and the light doesn't pass through and you can wrap that and attach to things and control where the light's not going and um, using that
1: mm, yeah there's going to be a whole bunch of stuff to talk about in a different show about about what you might call negative fill uh as well or, or isn't there which is where instead of bouncing light around, you want to stop it from bouncing around, and so it might seem counterintuitive to have a big black thing, <laughs> uh, <laughs> or dark coloured thing just out of sight of your camera. Thinking, well, I want more light, not less light, but actually, sometimes you do want less light, mm-hmm. or at least more control over it.
0: Yeah, and so and another advantage, like going back to LEDs, is um, things that you can do with LEDs compared to old style tungsten lighting is the actual source of the light itself you can manipulate generally its color and its brightness um and mm-hmm. if you're doing a moving image as well you could potentially make them flash as well so there's there, there are lots some of them lots have different.
1: special effects built in now don't they things yeah. like a a log fire special effect or or a um an emergency vehicle flashing blue and red lights kind of effects and things like mm-hmm. that which uh, I've, I've I've actually never had occasion to use a, a thing like that but uh, <laughs> I I'm, I'm sure yeah one day I will <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have to get into moving image and then then there'll be a great need for
1: it. I do some moving image. the most of what I do at the moment in moving image seem to be uh, school assignments during lockdown and and homeschooling so you know uh, for a while we had a green screen hanging up in our house and the children would do their little videos and we'd edit them and and uh, uh de- definitely they love the green screen um we had uh you know again yeah and lighting lighting green screens is, is is important lighting a subject in front of a green screen is a whole other topic of conversation mm-hmm. as well yeah, for another is, day. Yeah.
0: <laughs> there's an episode for in 12 months time yep <laughs> right Absolutely. so moving on to the next section uh which i titled accessories and tools so these are things to to help with that, that process um regards to manipulation and metering was one of the first subjects that came up so if you're not this is kind of very relevant for film photography um, is using a light meter rather than uh, relying on your camera to to meter it or a, a digital display and light meters if you've ever done kind of large format photography for example it'll be part of your kit bag anyway Um it's whether that light meter is capable of metering for flash light if that's what you're using continuous light is fine um but not all can meter for for flash or strobe lighting
1: yeah that's tricky isn't it because of course you know the lighting conditions you're going to use to capture the image don't exist when you're trying to meter for it <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, in a nutshell, it's just something I've experimented quite a lot with uh, with thirty five mil film, uh, and actually, actually, with um, medium format film as well, uh, which is to try and uh, learn about how to set up to use speed lights to take the you know shots on, on film. Um, when even if your camera is a, a relatively modern film camera and might have a a, a meter in it for you know, when you're out and about or you, know, you you simply just don't have, as I said, you, you, the, the speed lights are not on at the time when you're doing the metering. So so how do you do that? Um, and the other thing is, is it, it plays havoc with your exposure triangle as well, because it's not a triangle at that point. <laughs> So I'm not going to go into too too much detail here, but uh, certainly there is such a thing as a flash meter. Um, I haven't got one on the desk in front of me, um, but I do have one in a drawer elsewhere. Um, and you, you, they they might measure your yeah, but they'll help you measure and set exposure for flash. Uh, they will likely also measure, as many light meters do, uh, reflected or incident light, uh, and uh, yeah, lots of stuff
0: the Lots the the, the, the way I always find myself doing it is actually having a digital camera on hand that I have set up manually and then I just translate those settings across to my my film camera once I've got, I've got the exposure set on that.
1: That is definitely a good way of doing it um if you happen to have the the luxury of having both to hand at the same time you know uh definitely getting a good exposure based around your digital camera um will take a lot of the trial and error out of it um you know so it it, it is as simple as setting the iso on your digital camera to the same yeah we're well, setting everything the ISO the aperture and the shutter speed to the to the same as you want to use on your film camera and and dialing it in from there and you can get quite a high level of confidence and what it's going to look like the other good thing of course about that is that it, uh, you don't need to pre-visualize the light because mm-hmm. you can see it on the back of your digital camera um I have some shots where uh and I'm thinking of one in particular um where the The spread of light that I had in that shot um, was very different from what I thought it was much wider but actually made an amazing shot so I had a happy accident there um, but I also have a great many shots where you know the the lighting was slightly off angle um, and didn't light the subject properly, or created a weird shadow that I couldn't possibly have pre visualized. Uh, <laughs> you know, so definitely using but this a is why I much to... prefer
0: continuous lighting because you can you can see the light, you can see what's happening with it.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Although of course, the two two trade offs there. Um, one is that continuous lights are often nowhere near as bright. In fact never really as bright uh, as a flashlight so if you are that can sometimes get in the way of your creative um intent Um, Mm -hmm. so if you if you really want to isolate something um in in, using lighting actually a flash which is much much brighter than the ambient is much easier to do that than it is to try and isolate something with uh, a continuous light Uh, and uh, secondly um uh, which it can make a major impact on portraiture it which is that often you want your subject to look towards the light Mm -hmm. Um, and if they're looking towards a softbox even if they know that, that it's going to flash them and they're about to flinch um, you know they've probably got their eyes open whereas if you want them to look towards the light and that's a rather bright continuous light source your subjects often will be squinting from the moment they first look at it and that can spoil <laughs> the portrait so so the, the, the it's all swings and roundabouts oh, yeah,
0: so i've got a continuous LED light set up here for this recording and i know i'm going to be i'm going to be seeing that for the next half an hour after the, after we finish recording, that's this.
1: interesting. That's interesting because I, uh, do you know what I I have this? I have three actually. I have two that are in front of me as the as the camera is. One is bouncing off the ceiling and setting an ambient level. The other is just is. If I do, actually, I haven't got a, a, a big flag down. If I ha- if I pick this up right and hold it in front of the light, can you see what the there's, yeah, there's you a difference just, in yeah. the light it's it's, yeah, it's only can. a subtle thing today actually but um uh oh, excuse me knocking things over um but i have that set quite low i have a also a light light in the background which is what's giving that red flash across the back of the shop. um but uh, i deliberately have it low and let my camera which is right which is rather good at that sort of thing um ride its iso Mm-hmm. So I think my video is it's something like ISO 3200 or something like that because I have the lights fairly down low. Right. Um, so it doesn't burn into my eyes. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> clever. <laughs> Very
1: clever. Uh, it's just yeah it's just trial and error really. Trial and error. <laughs> right, anyway, so sorry, where were we? Carrying yes. on
0: to accessories. <laughs> um right, we've got we've talked about light meters, lighting control. Um so that's
1: oh yeah.
0: That, so that's about um, using triggers. This is specifically, I guess, for um, strobe and flash lighting. Is whether you can control that from a trigger on your camera. But also, I I saw LEDs are now capable of having like, you could have an iPad or like your phone and an app on it to control your lighting remotely as well. Which just I've got of, I've got well like,
1: yeah. Funnily enough, the lights that I'm using um, are are, are good at that, so they're they're really good at they can make the the blend of, uh, because how you change the warmth of the white, they have two different white, so they have one set of LEDs that are, are very warm. Mm-hmm. Uh, like 3200 and at one that are very um very daylighty for about 5600 uh and you can change the balance of them and i have an app where you can just move sliders and it changes the lights which is great nice. if you have your lights in somewhere that's slightly harder to uh to, to reach so right now i'm stood at my desk my desk is in standing mode at the moment and the one that, and the light that's set in the ambient is right up near the ceiling right now. There's no way I can reach it leaning across my desk. So I need the, I need the app to do that. And um, this particular brand I have, and I won't name them today because it's it's not the best thing in the world. They have a little color wheel for setting the RGB and you can move your finger around on the color wheel on the app and it sets the RGB value, except it doesn't. It's totally <laughs> random what you actually get and it bears nothing, no resemblance to what's on the screen of my phone at all.
0: Nice idea. <laughs> Nice
1: idea, poorly executed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure if I... Um, we talked about doing things cheaply, didn't we? I'm sure if I splashed out for slightly more expensive lights, then maybe the app that comes with them might actually work. But
0: Oh, well. <laughs> right, so other accessories. Uh, some of the, the basic stuff that you always need are things like stands um, for putting mm-hmm. your flashes, your strobes, your continuous lighting on. They're, uh, they're quite often when you see lighting kits, if this is something you're just starting out with, you will see something that comes with stands already, um, as part of the, like the most basic lighting kits. That you get are umbrella setups, aren't they? And they always come with a couple of stands as well
1: yeah and and that's pretty sure that's where i started out you know um uh, and th- these are really affordable and and a really good way to start out as well because if you've got one speed light and and one umbrella uh to put on your stand collectively those don't really weigh anything so you don't need an enormously heavyweight expensive stand you know you don't need sandbags to hold it in place or, mm-hmm. or anything like that, or wheels to move it around on so you know it it, it is um it, it, for people just thinking of starting out actually yeah you know, starting out with speed lights is great uh, because you know they can go on your camera they can go off your camera the kit that you need to make to work with them um you you know is is very lightweight uh and can fold up small and is and is inexpensive to buy uh, they have their own batteries in them or they run on double a's so you don't need to worry yeah. about batteries either so it's quite a good way of getting started very at le- least it was for me
0: yeah other yeah. uh, things that you might considered it depends what you're lighting but things like backdrops um if you're looking to do portraits or different types of surfaces if you're looking to do kind of still life or product shots and then kind of related to that as well is a light box is quite a traditional thing to use for um product shots Um, Mm, yeah what else did i think of oh smoke as another accessory that's that's quite commonly used i think nowadays you can actually buy Kind of smoke bombs can't you for photography Yeah, yes
1: or smoke machines or or atmosphere machines that will put a sort of hay a haze machine that rather than a smoke machine that will help you work with the light um, mm. help you you know get that effect where there are light rays cutting through the the air and stuff like that they need something to reflect off don't they so smoke yeah. and haze and and other things definitely very useful for that kind of thing
0: i think that wraps up the accessories section
1: oh that can't be possible that can't possibly be true (laughs) Um, for for today okay let's let's yeah because there's such a lot to explore there and and at some other time in the future i will fill my my desk here uh with things like super clamps and magic arms and (laughs) just some of the stuff has great i have got
0: clamps and arms written down but i kind of Left that as <laughs> like we'll, we'll put that into the stand category, things that hold your lights in certain positions.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how many magic arms have you got? How many do I how many magic arms have I got? I think I think I own two magic arms and then there's one which is a tiny, tiny little thing. It's only about two inches long, but which does the same thing. It's like kind of two ball heads in one frame. Um, so it, it it can it gives you the the flexibility to move things around like a magic arm, but with sort of less less distance. Just just getting the that was just about. I guess we should
0: explain sort of. what a magic arm is. It's a it's an articulated metal piece. Oh, um, well, I'm using mine at the moment, so I can't show Hold you. <laughs> and it's got at each end is a ball joint. Let's get and another
1: a, box of stuff. <laughs> <okay.
0: laughs> <laughs> and you can turn it in any angle you like between um, each of those arm. joints
1: okay this is going to go great on the audio right here it here is a magic arm and uh, let's see let me get see that on the camera um, and uh, it is actually this one has a clamp on the end of it actually Um so here's the magic arm and it's 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 sort of two bits of metal that are hinged in the middle and each end of the metal uh has a quarter 20 thread uh, a little ball head and a quarter 20 thread what makes it magic is that because it all twists around it can go anywhere you like and then the really magic thing is there's just one one uh one nut like a wing nut like a really big wing nut on this one and you tighten it but it doesn't just tighten a bit where it is. It tightens everything. It tightens. It tightens both the ball heads. It tightens the joint between the arms, and it's magic. How does How does it even work? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs>
0: no idea. It's just things. magic.
1: That's why they call it a magic arm. They've got so many anyway, uses yeah.
0: as well. So many uses. So I'm
1: trying to think where I've actually got one in use at the moment. I don't. Uh, I think I think mine are all in this box here. Actually, there you go. Box of hardware. Well, like so I've got got my
0: camera on one, like from a um, video conferencing point of view. They're really useful because it means that you can move your camera down over your screen. So you're looking at your camera more and at your screen at the same time rather than quite often your webcam is on top of your screen or indeed yes embedded in it. And also to have a light on one as well makes it very easy to manipulate that light, like small adjustments in the direction position of that light.
1: Yeah yeah, yeah they they really are enormously dexterous things aren't they mm.
0: <laughs> can can we get our magic arm sponsorship deal
1: now ah uh, yes i think definitely I think yes definitely
0: we've done our work on that one <laughs> right moving on <laughs> to the next section, which I haven't actually put a lot in it's visual terminology, but we've got some examples Ooh. for this so like uh, the first thing that that cropped up for me was um the difference between hard and soft light and we've got ah, yes. other examples of aids images to show here so yeah
1: so pete yeah that's interesting to talk about hard light and soft light so i guess we could start off with some some definitions i suppose so uh, a definition of a hard light would be one that casts hard shadows so whether the lines around a shadow are are quite distinct you know a definite sharp line between the light and the shadow Uh, whereas a soft light uh, is definitely it will still cast shadows but it'll be a much more of a, a gradual transition between light and shadow, making that change a lot softer. Uh, so, uh, oh, well, the one that we've got up here, there's there's one here. Um, this is actually not lit with ambient light, but that's OK. This is a shot of a beach and it's a shot of a beach uh, on a cloudy overcast day. And, and you can't see any shadows in it anywhere because at that point, of course, the clouds act as an enormous softbox uh, for the sun and they make uh, they make the, the light very very soft indeed no shadows at all whereas the example you had just a moment ago john um oh no no, this, no, no, no. that's fine this is also another uh ambient light shot this is a, a street photography shot uh this is actually um in south well I say south london it's it's more southwark really um, but i'm walking under some railway bri- railway lines and it's a very sunny day and there's some really sharp shadows on the street and on on, on the walls but of, of the railway bridge um, and, you know, people have sharp shadows on the floor coming out behind them and stuff like that. So so again, an example there, which is uh, which is an outdoor example with using ambient light, but a, an example of of hard light. And this translates very much into the space where yeah, we, we choose how to use light. Uh, so yeah, you can have hard light and um, if uh, yeah, the speed lights that we were talking about earlier if you take all the modifiers off those you end up with a source of light that is quite small relative to the size of the subject that you're lighting uh, and that would cast hard shadows um, whereas somebody uh, very close to a rather large soft box uh, would have very soft light on them so def- definitely some key principles there to, to, to work through.
0: I'm going to throw some some other terms out with regards lighting here, but not go into any detail of them at the moment because these all I think warrant exploring further in a, in other ex- episodes. But you've got incident light, just quickly, is like a main light that's casting on on the subject. You've got a reflective light, which is the light that's bouncing off something onto the subject. You've got a backlight, which is the light behind the subject. You've got a key light, which is a light. Is the key light the main a main light as well?
1: <laughs> key light would be the main light that you're using to light you, usually somebody's face or whatever the subject is. Yeah. yeah,
0: A rim light, which is behind the subject as well, creating an edge around the subject.
1: Yes, to provide some separation, using light to provide some separation between your subject and their background.
0: And a fill light, which... Is the opposite of the key light to help balance out each side.
1: Yes. In, in yeah, that's a good one. The, the, yes, and and when we when we uh, do a show about lighting ratios and stuff like that, we'll talk about you know uh, the different the roles that a key light light and a fill light play in in a lot more detail. I'm sure.
0: So there's a very, very quick summary of those. uh Color temperature, we've touched on very slightly because it's it's relevant to a lot of the the things we've already said yes
1: lord kelvin and his color temperatures you know that that really just a slight aside. that (laughs) really is counterintuitive to me um because kelvin uh is both is is a unit of of color temperature but also of course a unit of just just heat temperature Mm -hmm. and the, the most counterintuitive thing for me is that in the color temperature scale for Kelvin, the higher the number, the colder the light,
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> the bluer it gets. Uh, and that drives me nuts. And I get it wrong all the time. And I've never found a thing in my memory to help me get it the right way, because, of course, you think about heat right the higher the number in heat whether you use kelvin or whether you use celsius or whether you use fahrenheit the higher the number the warmer it is right and you think okay well if i'm measuring my light temperature my color temperature in kelvin surely the, the higher the temperature the warmer it is and that's really not true and that is because kelvin when he how he invented and calibrated his scale he did it by burning stuff right <laughs> burning wood and burning uh, I guess other uh, other elements from the, uh, elements from the periodic table, and include up to and including magnesium, which burns with a very blue white light, but also burns at a very high temperature. And so, being a scientist, he ended up with a color temperature scale that said, "Okay, well, my magnesium is is this color, and it burns at 5,600 Kelvin, or whatever the numbers are, right? A higher number." And my thing that burns with a much more warm light, an orangey light, uh, it it burns at a much lower temperature. So, scientists—they always get
0: things wrong, don't they?
1: (laughs) Well, no, this this guy got lots of things really, really (laughs) right. Right? Yeah, yeah. And now, as I said earlier, has a whole park in Glasgow named after him, Um, and probably loads of other things as well. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it Yes, I always, I always end up moving my color temperature settings the wrong way
0: that's <laughs> so why you anyway, should shoot in black and white you don't have to worry about it
1: <laughs> that's true but i kind of like color though i love color definitely <laughs> definitely color actually that's a good 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 um segue into the last one on our list isn't it um cri oh cri I it's color of yeah. re- color refractive index something like know. that uh, the 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 long and the short of this one is that uh, if you are buying uh, a, a especially especially an LED light, uh, but but any kind of uh, continuous light really, um, uh, well actually any kind of light for photography, you will want to buy one that has a high CRI. Where a high CRI essentially is between ninety five and a hundred. And the reason for that is that what color refractive index measures is the the breadth of the spectrum of pure white light uh, that any individual light can record or can it can emit i should say air therefore cause to be reflected in your camera to record so again we go back to things like football stadiums and street lights which are often uh, a very specific orangey glow or a, or a green glow about them uh, and what they have is a very narrow they although they may look white sort of um, they're actually emitting only a very small part of the spectrum of a full white colour. Um, and therefore, the things that reflect that light often tend to have very strong colour biases in them. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that's that's quite tricky. What you really want is is a light that emits a full spectrum or close to a full spectrum of visible light. And therefore, all the things are, that it bounces off, that it reflects off and then into your camera uh, will... Have the opportunity to reflect their true colours much more accurately.
0: Am um, I right so. in saying that um flashlights and strobe lights generally have a better CRI, like yeah, like cheaper because flashlights. Of the technology in them. Yeah, cheaper yes. flashlights have a better CRI than cheap LED lights.
1: Oh, very much so. Very much so. And and tungsten light, you know, um, uh, great. So when you you walk into, um, I suppose you can't walk in. I was going to say you can walk into a pub, but you can't walk into a pub. Um, but when we're allowed to go back to pubs, and assuming that they haven't all replaced their their wonderful tungsten low level lighting with with LEDs, you'll you'll you can have a look around. If you really look around, you'll notice that even though it's probably quite dark, because pubs don't tend to be lit up very bright, um, that you can see the colours of things quite quite well or maybe if you have a a reading light at home with a a tungsten light bulb in you'll be able to see actually that the colors that you see around you are really quite a full range of colors and that's because tungsten light actually uh, emits probably the broader spectrum of light frequencies of of any easily produced lighting mechanism Uh, and uh, you know speed lights of course have been thoroughly engineered to to, uh, emit a uh, a wide, a broad spectrum of, of light frequencies as well, so you get good colour rendition uh, from those. Cheap LEDs, on the other hand, they may tell you they're white, <laughs> <laughs> but your camera will, will will be able to distinguish between, you know, uh, a full spectrum LED or, close to, uh, or a broad spectrum LED and a narrow spectrum LED very easily. So if you're getting any strange colour casts uh, and you're using less expensive lights it could be because the lights themselves are not emitting a broad spectrum of colors um so uh yeah that's another one to dive into because you know the the, the cri measure is one measure there's also a tcli measure and there's a there's other measures as well and at that point we start having to talk about your know, scientific measures of color and stuff like that which is an area that i don't really know anything about <laughs> and it's all so, so more
0: acronyms isn't it <laughs>
1: It is it's, it's more acronyms, more maths, more science, all of which is really, really good. But I certainly am not qualified to talk about it other than to say that if you want to buy a light and you're comparing them and all other things are equal, uh, the one with the higher value for CRI or TCLI uh, it, it is going to give you a better quality of light, all other things being equal. But there we go. <laughs>
0: so- if there are any experts out there in uh the realms of measuring <laughs> light and color
1: understand yeah, please, all the please acronyms, get in touch and come and be a guest yeah
0: please send us an email we've actually had a few emails through so thank you very much to those uh those that have sent sent them through we will cover those probably in the next episode um and okay. there def- definitely a couple of of topics in there that uh that we're we're planning on covering so thank you for that you can drop us an email on sunny16presents at gmail.com just put the lighting lounge in the subject header please
1: ah yes then it'll make sure that it gets to us yes that'd be good okay well that probably about wraps it up then for this week does it john
0: I think so. We've we've covered everything there. I think so,
1: so we've gone through our long, long list. Yes, and uh, yeah, that's a, it. Again, yeah, that that probably that list is going to serve us well over the coming weeks and months. I think, isn't it? Because almost yeah. every single one of those could be at least a, a a full show in their own right. So there you go, folks. Uh, there's some insight as to what's coming your way over the coming months, and. Uh, uh well and and we'll be back soon. We don't quite know how soon yet. I think do we but uh yeah we'll be aiming for we'll be aiming to increase our frequency and settle it down and we'll see where that ends us up and um uh, yeah, as as John says, if you like us, um, yeah, get in touch. Um, or if you're watching this on, on YouTube, uh, click the was it a thumbs up button, the like button? There's a like Is button it the and a subscribe say, button. <laughs> smash the like button. Don't smash it. Just give it some love and attention, right? Yeah. Just just touch it gently. <laughs> just tell us. Tell we don't us want how, to be responsible
0: for you breaking your mouse. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's very true. Uh, but yeah, and subscribe as well. Yeah, so the the. Uh, the Sunny Sixteen podcast.
0: Sunny Sixteen podcast on YouTube, YouTube channel,
1: isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And on that note, um, see you next time, folks. Bye. Bye. Bye.